Hello and welcome. This is Janice Hoffman for the Claremont Courier, and thanks for taking a short break from your busy day to smile as you listen to the next installment of Creative Mindfulness. No worries, I'm not going to tell you to relax. I'm not going to tell you how to breathe. Mindfulness is simply looking at the current moment from another perspective, without judgment or rancor. Creative means that we apply this approach to topics that might surprise. Today's contribution was recently published in The Courier and is entitled, Remembering the Grand Prix Fire. Many Claremont residents have their own stories, and if you are on the website, I encourage you to go to contact us and share a thought or two. Remembering the Grand Prix Fire, Memories in Third Person. This is the time of year I remember the Grand Prix fire of 18 years ago, the night that our house came close to burning down, but didn't. However, as a result of being evacuated in the middle of the night, my attitude towards packing to leave home for a trip was forever changed. We begin the night of the fire in late October 2003 and transition to looking at my subsequent phobias around packing and leaving home, which now recognized, are manageable. I've chosen to approach the experience using an omniscient narrator who tells the story in third person. It's nightfall, late October 2003, in a home in the city of Claremont, California, the hillside neighborhood called Claraboya. When they gazed east at 10 p.m., there was not supposed to be a glow on the horizon as if the sun was rising. At least the damn arsonists started in San Bernardino County in some godforsaken canyon they'd never heard of. Methhead or malcontent, chemical imbalance or circumstances, sick or sinister. They did not yet know that arsonists would become news regulars, that wreaking havoc would be considered de rigueur and thus each atrocity less memorable. You couldn't smell it yet, so that meant the winds were in their favor. Unconcerned, bravado more from ignorance than wisdom, Larry finished packing for tomorrow's road trip, a drive up the coast to spend a week in Carmel, put his suitcase by the door, and fell into an untroubled sleep, not noticing the canary palms that lined Mountain Avenue were nervous, whispering, gossiping among themselves but not yet frantic, as they would become later, shouting desperately to anyone who'd listen. Janice's bags were by the door as well. She was oblivious this would be the last time she would pack without fearing she was leaving a home she might never come back to. Paralyzed with the meagerness of what she could take, overwhelmed with what she was leaving behind, the bears began to emerge from their lairs, pause, and chose to forego their pre-hibernation foraging, instead retreating north into the San Gabriels towards a safer winter habitat. Call it premonition if you wish, but both bobcats and foxes chose not to mix with the muggles this night, safe from all but the most devastating developments. Even the rattlesnakes chose to burrow deeper. In today's terms, it wasn't a big fire, just under 70,000 acres, contained in less than two weeks. However, it was their fire. 
They had been evacuated before, but in 2003 it was close and real, and only the luck of the drafts saved their house. It was the oddest thing. It's not as if the fire was licking at her heels as she ran from the property, but still, merely stepping aside when disaster appeared became a trigger, and every year in late October, her nighttime ritual included scanning the horizons before succumbing to slumber, never again trusting the Santa Ana winds. Over the next decade, Every time she anticipated a journey, she would be hostage to pre-trip jitters that would start as soon as she began to coordinate climate and activities long before embarking on the adventure. She would be disconcerted right up to the last minute she left her home, the worst having grown into a full-blown panic before last year's tearful departure to Italy. She had phoned Megan an hour earlier, and now her friend was with her in the guest bedroom, the staging area for what went with and what was left behind. Janice was sitting atop of her bulging suitcase, nowhere near capable of closing. Megan was trying to reason, attempting to calm. Larry was standing outside, impatient, hands in pockets, then not, fidgeting, escalating, prioritizing logistics. A driver stood beside an open trunk, stared ahead blankly, not taking sides. They made their plane and flew to Milan. The next day, she finds a store that sells the charger cord she hadn't packed and proceeds to a favorite jet lag recovery spot, the Renascente department store, to await the DHL delivery of the prescription drugs she forgot to pack. Leisurely riding the escalator, she finds a combination of peace and exhilaration at seeing so many exquisite designs under one roof. Office toys and kitchen accessories that belong in MoMA, clothing designers satisfyingly organized by brand, and finally at the top, the food floor, where marzipan masquerades as art and your mouth begins to water from the aroma of the arrays. She is seated in the coffee shop and looks through the plexiglass at the city rooftops, staring eye to eye with one of the gargoyles guarding the cathedral. She contemplates what she packed. <laughs> Three pairs of shoes plus one hiking boot and one bed slipper. Four mascara wands but no lip gloss. Multiple black turtlenecks. Seven scarves, jewelry galore, but alas, her favorite jeans are AWOL. And she didn't bring a bathing suit. Isn't it as simple as making a packing list? Perhaps. Knowing the source of the neurosis goes a long way towards cure. And she knows that soon she will regain her passion for travel without being paralyzed by the fear of returning to embers instead of a home. Thanks for listening. <laughs>